0: I'm Don Merrill, I'm talking with Senator Mark Haas, he is running for Oregon Secretary of State. Senator Haas, welcome. Good to be here. What is it that people do not understand about the office of the Secretary of State?
1: I think a lot of people are a little bit confused about the uh, Secretary of State as a name. It's also, you know, a cabinet level federal job, and I think probably they would understand a lot of states have Lieutenant Governor, and this is Oregon's Lieutenant Governor, the second person in command but then there's also a little quirky kind of list of jobs you have to do elections redistricting audits and um, those are not the most glamorous uh, jobs in the world but they're critically important to Oregonians
0: senator you served in the Oregon house from 2000 to 2007 you were appointed uh, to the Oregon senate in November 2007 Uh, you've been in the legislature for 20 years what can you do as Secretary of State that you haven't been able to do as a legislator?
1: Well, the Secretary of State's office has some rather quirky constitutional responsibilities that a lot of people might not be familiar with uh, that are in line with what I have been doing and specializing in in many ways in the legislature. For example, I've done a lot of work on uh, campaign finance re- reform and a lot of work on election security. Well, it turns out the Secretary of State is the oversees all elections in Oregon in addition to that the secretary of state has uh the constitutional power to audit the public accounts which is the exact phrase used in the constitution and that plays to my strengths i think my background as a journalist it's kind of in my dna as a journalist you hold people accountable you hold institutions accountable you hold government agencies accountable and that's in the job description of the secretary of state Um, i think there are 75 public auditors in the secretary of state's office it's the biggest division And it's one very overlooked, but it's critical to uh, Oregon and to this office. And uh, so I think those skills I've been developing uh, over time uh, as a legislator. And in addition to that, redistricting, which is a very obscure uh, law that most Oregonians are unfamiliar with, is the practice of redrawing congressional and legislative boundaries every 10 years. I've gone through two of those. I'm the only candidate who's gone through two of those or even one of those. And I can tell you that there is a lot of pressure and intense uh, scrutiny of uh, the system when when that happens. And um, I have some battlefield experience in that category. And I don't think that can be replaced by someone who says, well, I've never done that, but I can hire some experts to help me along. So uh, this is a job that doesn't, I don't think you can be, this is not an entry level job, put it that way. Uh, You need some experience in this building. I have almost 20 years' experience in this building. I've passed some very big bills through this building. The Student Success Act of last year that helps schools uh, was uh, the latest example and kind of puts a capstone on my legislative career. But also the Oregon Promise, which creates free tuition for Oregon high school graduates. That was a big bill, and that has changed thousands of lives in the five years since it's been enacted. Uh, Full-day kindergarten from half-day, those are big bills that I got through this building. I've also lost a few battles in this building, but through that you build a kind of experience and you get used to the pressure that comes along with this. I know how this system works and Oregon needs a secretary of state who understands all of these things and doesn't need a roadmap to figure out uh, where the bathroom is on the second floor of the state capitol. And I am the person with that experience. And I think that's critical for Oregonians because we've had four secretaries of state in the last four years. And this office has been diminished uh, because we've had people filling it out, uh, terms, people who have died uh, for whatever, and these are all good people, but you're not going to have the same kind of vision you're not going to have the same kind of energy as I would bring it if you if if, if you just have uh, fill out someone's term for eighteen months. so we need to restore this office back to prominence, and I believe through some policies and proposals that I have is that we can do we can be more responsive to more Oregonians for the Secretary of State's office. It's the second highest office in Oregon and uh, we need an overhaul of what this office includes from A to Z, from election security to redistricting to doing new things that will help more Oregonians, particularly vulnerable Oregonians.
0: Well you make me think of a question. If you're going to be in the middle of such a massive overhaul of what the office does, are you also going to be able to at the same time be serving the Oregonians? I mean, if well, you're in the middle of reworking the office services for the state, still have to be done. I mean, are you going to be able to do both? Do you have the staff to do both?
1: Yes, there's 200 people that work in the Secretary of State's office. But what I'm proposing are things like uh, uh, more security for elections, more security for our database. We have 2.8 million voters in our registered registered voters in our database, and we're vulnerable to hackers. Uh, we have technology it's not that it's insecure right now but we need to be not one step ahead but 10 miles ahead of the hackers we are lucky in oregon because we're a vote by mail state and as we always say you can't hack paper so we're not going to be troubled or uh, we won't have massive voter fraud because we have vote by mail and it's a great system i'm surprised all 50 states don't do it but our vulnerability is in protecting our database If somebody comes in and knocks Don's registered voter database out of the system, then you don't get a ballot. So you can see how problems like that start. And so we need to do that. And I have proposed a new office of cybersecurity to deal with this troubling reality we all face of disinformation. So we can get out ahead of organized campaigns to confuse voters. The Secretary of State's office had two problems in the last election cycle. It didn't have to do with the national uh, election or Trump or the Russians or anything, but in two places, there were viral media social posts. One uh, said that the uh, votes were already being counted in Morrill County, and they weren't. And another one said down in Southern Oregon, I believe, uh, it's too late to send in your ballots. And it wasn't. And the Secretary of State's office had no capacity to deal with those, other than a few employees in the office who answered the phone and said, that's not true. We need to get out in front of those organized campaigns with uh, our own social media uh, website, Truth Squad, to say, here's the truth. We're gonna fight off these rumors. We're gonna hold the social media companies accountable for uh, facilitating these untrue uh, disinformation campaigns. There are security experts that are already trained in doing this. We should be way out in front of this so that we're not upended by someone that's just trying to mess with our elections.
0: Um, You're running for the seat that was occupied by the late Dennis Richardson uh, many Republicans saw his election as a hopeful sign that Oregon might be on its way to recapturing the executive branch and uh, some of them are still working hard to make that happen but Mr. Richardson also had a reputation for focusing on work and putting partisan politics aside you're a Democrat how will party affect how you do the job if at all
1: it won't affect how I do the job at all I knew Dennis I worked with him in the house he was a gentleman and I always had a lot of respect uh, for him and I think it was mutual Um, But once you get in this job, you check your partisan flag at the door. And uh, in that regard, I think my training as an independent journalist will serve me well. Uh, There's no partisanship in uh, election security. There's no partisanship in uh, business law compliance. There's no partisanship in overseeing elections and make sure uh, they come off uh, uh, efficiently and, um, and done appropriately. Elections are a big deal to these 36-county elections department in a way that I don't think a lot of Oregonians understand. Election workers are some of the most dedicated government employees I've ever seen. And when you get close to election, you can just, the tension starts building, and the Secretary of State's office is facilitating with all these different, different elections, and you see signs going up five days before the election, you know, have you done this, this, and this, four days, you know, it's like getting ready for the Super Bowl. And uh, that's important. We have to have that attitude, and everything has to always go right. You can imagine, Don, if you have uh, one county, say Douglas County has some sort of, uh, its elections integrity is compromised and only one county out of 36, but it's one county and that we might not be able to certify a statewide election. So think about that if we're electing a US senator or governor. And so these things all have to go right. And I've been looking at these uh, methods and, and systems for a long, long time and it's incumbent upon the secretary of state to oversee these 36 county elections department to ensure that things continue to go right
0: so yeah. you mentioned the fact that you are a long-time journalist before you came into the legislature and i just have a question about that so um, at the federal level we can see that uh... the administration is not friendly to mainstream journalism at all um, and i think the legislature has you and i think um, uh... some one other journalist uh... in the legislature i can't think of his name right now but um, it just makes me wonder what kind of mood will you have your office set in terms of its relationship with the media?
1: Oh, I, I'm 100%. I have an affinity for reporters, uh, but more than that, I have an affinity for, uh, transparency and openness. And, um, my policy since I entered the legislature in 2001 is to always have a door open for, uh, journalists, always, uh, let them access, uh, my, uh, Public records. Here's my computer right here, Don. If you want to go in, I'll give you my passcode, and you can see whatever you want. Uh, it's uh, it's just always been my policy, and it should be for anyone in public
0: office. Okay. Um, you're running against a slate of other Democrats. Um, why do you think no Republicans are running for the seat?
1: Well, Kim Thatcher filed on Friday. Oh. So okay. we'll 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 have at least one Republican, uh, maybe more. Um, so we'll see. We've got a month before the
0: filing deadline. Um. You, were, you mentioned you were, a reporter, you were a reporter for KTU for 20 years. Has being a journalist helped you get your point across to colleagues, especially those who are strongly wedded to principle, um, like those conservatives who walked out of the legislature last year over cap and trade, which, by the way, is a priority for the governor this session?
1: Yeah. Uh, I think being a journalist has uh, always always been an asset because it taught me how to organize my thoughts so that I could better communicate. Uh, take a minute to just say, okay, what do you want to say? What don't you want to say? What's most important? And so it's really helped me in the communication field. Uh, it certainly hasn't guaranteed me anything. If I was better at it, maybe I could have convinced those Republicans not to walk out last year. But uh, it's it's always been a, a help. I, I think journalism, at least when I got into it, uh, was a noble calling. You're informing citizens about their world. And I think that's important. And I uh, still do.
0: In August 2019, Dennis Richardson's office issued an audit that basically said the state agencies were bad at doing audits. Um, It said they frequently were involved in waste, fraud, and abuse in part because they are understaffed, undervalued, and neglected by leadership. So um, if you're elected to the Secretary of State, um, will you only be able to tell the state what it's doing wrong, or will your connections with the legislature help move the results of your office findings into policy changes quicker? I think my relationships
1: and connections to the legislature will be a huge asset in exactly what you're speaking about. One of the uh, criticisms of of Secretary of State's audits is there's an audit done that takes months and months of work and is expensive, and the findings are then left on a shelf and nobody does anything. Um, That's sad when that happens. I don't think it happens as much, but I think it's, it's up to the Secretary of State to be a leader and say, hey, look, here are the results of this audit and you need to respond. The Secretary of State has no authority to take action upon these audits. If it finds that there's fraud or whatever, Secretary of State doesn't have the authority to correct those actions. All it can do is draw attention to them. And I think in my way of encouraging and communicating with others that 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 will be something that I will uh,
0: home in on. I saw a chart uh, from the Mm -hmm. Oregon Public Interest Research Group that you voted Yes, on 10 of, of 11 bills the organization believes are important, but you didn't vote for House Bill 2001, which lets all single family lots in Portland be zoned for duplexes or fourplexes. With affordable housing being such a huge issue, why not?
1: Uh, where do I begin? Uh, first of all, my community didn't want that bill, and they, they uh, worked very hard in, in, in convincing me to, to not support it, but I would, have, I would not have supported it anyway. Uh, I think it will end neighborhoods. I think we have some great neighborhoods in Washington County, in the Beaverton area, where now uh, it, will, it will be an incentive, that bill, to uh, take out uh, trees on lots, to mow down um, uh, old houses and put up a fourplex. And those kinds of changes in the neighborhood really affect negatively on a neighborhood. Second, there's nothing in that bill that uh, addresses transportation, and housing and transportation are linked. Uh, there was a bill that I did support uh, that uh, did a similar um, change to uh, housing that was uh, at a transportation hub along light rail, uh, for example, and light rail hubs. And uh, I was uh, disappointed to see that it's not in that bill. And finally, that bill uh, uses the word affordable and tries to get to affordable housing without defining what affordable is. Affordable might be one thing to me, it might be another thing to Phil night. And so there were all kinds of flaws with that bill, but it stemmed from uh, most of it was my community didn't want that bill and I was a representative of my community.
0: Related to that, I wanted to ask you about the progress you feel the legislature has made in the area of homelessness. Uh, Commercial Avenue in Salem was ground zero for homeless encampments until Salem City Council passed and then reversed a ban on camping. Portland periodically sees 205 near Powell, crowded with tents. Have you ever known anyone who was homeless? And, and do you think if the legislature did they'd have a better understanding of how to fix the problem.
1: Well, you have several questions there. First, what did the legislature do? Uh, The legislature had, I think, a dozen different bills that passed uh, to look at homelessness and housing. Uh, The legislature sent $500 million out to end homelessness and housing in the last session, in addition to many of the programs that have been ongoing for a long time. One that I've been part of is the homeowners uh, lending tax credit, which helps uh, homeowners get into a home uh, with low interest rates on their their down payment. And housing and homelessness are two separate issues. There is an intersection there, but they're two very, very separate issues. Uh, I have known people who are homeless. I think this whole legislature uh, is similar. They've known people um, and uh, it's a huge problem. It's very visceral to a lot of people, especially in the areas you mentioned, because we see it every day. We see it with our eyes and uh, that's different. That's different than a, a mental health crisis or a cloud of classrooms that we don't see every day. But when you drive to work every morning in Portland on 205, you see that problem. And so it cries out for uh, something to be done. Well, the legislature can't solve all the problems of the, of the world, but the legislature took a huge swing at this problem in the 2019 session. There's more to do, but I'm proud of what the legislature did on homelessness.
0: On Facebook in 2018, you said seven books meant something to you. Game of Thrones, uh, Glitz, Breaks of the Game, Grapes of Wrath, Catcher in the Rye, Catch-22, and The Godfather. You posted them with no comment, no explanation.
1: Oh, well, it was part of a contest uh, that somebody asked me to join, and I didn't know that I was supposed to write an essay on on those, but I'm happy to do that if if you want to indulge.
0: Well, no, I'm just curious. Collectively, what, what do you think those seven books say about you as a person?
1: I think they say that sometimes people want to escape with a good story. Uh, Very, very few things uh, uh, I find more enjoyable than a good story, whether it's an Elmore Leonard book or whether it's just someone uh, telling me about their day. I like stories. That's why I got into journalism. I like telling stories. I like hearing well-crafted stories. And I think if you were to go through those books one by one, there's a a, a nugget of, of truth and meaning in all of those books. Uh, the Godfather, for example, is, is a mobster story. It's a great story, but it's also about family. So,
0: While I was researching you, I found a 2017 Forbes magazine article that said you self-identified six personal conflicts of interest. I'm not going to go into the details of the story, but I do have a question. We all saw uh, Speaker Pelosi tear up the President's uh, speech on national TV after his State of the Union address. And the Senate acquitted him on House impeachment charges. The president claims he's done nothing wrong, and lots of Republicans believe him. But for ordinary people who aren't attorneys or skilled in rhetoric, when they see behavior in the representatives, things they'd punish their kids for doing, how do you, as government representatives, convince them that unethical isn't illegal?
1: Um, first, the article you mentioned wasn't a Forbes magazine article. It was a blog that was posted on the Uh, the same website as as Forbes use it was it was um, a very partisan piece that was not picked up or acknowledged by anyone I have kids and I have taught them to do the right thing and we work really hard on that and um, um, I think I'm I think I've done a really good job with my 12 year old and um, we have this little thing uh, my mother is uh, uh, elderly and whenever we the doctor gave us a little handicap parking pass, so if we take her to the doctor, or we can park up front. And we do that, and uh, but I always keep it in my car. And uh, one day uh, we were out driving around with my son, and not my mother, and there was nowhere to park, and it was pouring. And he said, "Well, there's a handicap spot. Why don't you just use that pass?" And I said, "Oh, you think I should?" He said, "Well, it's raining out." And I said, "Would that be the right thing to do?" "Yeah, I guess not." And so. Uh, We've joked since then. It's become a joke. I say, "Hey Sam, do you think I should use this passage?" No, it wouldn't be the right thing to do. And so, we we use that quote quite a bit. My daughter was the same way, and uh, you know, we're we're Christians and and uh, we we believe in uh, doing the right thing and serving others. I think uh, um, that's ingrained into the way I've raised uh, our kids. My wife is the same way.
0: Um. Some of the people who saw Senator Pelosi do what she did um, accused uh, her of having a temper tantrum. She's always been considered the adult in the room. She's been measured. Um, She had to be convinced to impeach, but tearing up the speech seemed to be an expression of democratic frustration. As a Democrat, are you frustrated?
1: Well, uh, I'm I'm very frustrated with uh, this president. That's a question Uh, he's been terrible for our country and uh... others can speak uh, and do speak every day you can see social media uh... i just don't see any productivity in in hammering away at the guy you know ten times a day i'm trying to uh, pass education bills down here at the legislature and running a campaign trying to talk to Oregonians about election security so uh... yes i'm frustrated this president i hope we can replace him
0: i have one more question about the president uh, Philip Rucker and Carol Leoning have written a book about President Trump called Very Stable Genius. They say it's a phrase he uses when he describes himself. Uh, in an interview with uh, 200 president and former administration officials, they say that Mr. Trump is in the process of lowering the standards of a country overall. Uh, but his supporters feel he is exactly what they want. As a candidate for Secretary of State who must serve all Oregonians, do you ever think about what his supporters want?
1: I don't, I don't frame it like that. Uh, I'm, I, I do what's best for all of Oregon. I get in trouble sometimes with my own party. I get in trouble sometimes with my, with my own supporters. Uh, I do what's best for all of Oregon and uh, whoever they support for president or whatever their personal feelings are, um, that doesn't. that's not relevant when we're trying to protect the integrity of elections. That's not relevant when I'm trying to get uh, this office to be more responsive to Oregonians when we're doing redistricting. Uh, Everybody's entitled to their opinion. You, yours, mine, mine. And uh, it just doesn't matter to me what other people uh, think about other presidents or presidential candidates.
0: Okay. In 2015, um, the Oregon Supreme Court overturned the Oregon legislature's efforts at PERS reform. Last session, SB 1049 changed how PERS is calculated. You uh, were on the Finance Committee and the Education Committee, both of which are affected by PERS. Um, and if you become Secretary of State, which is an office of the Governor, you'll oversee the Oregon Sustainability Board, which also manages uh, the state business for future generations. And that undoubtedly means PERS. So why why is PERS such a quicksand uh, for the branches of the Oregon government to handle. Let me let me just
1: try this. Uh, there was nobody here at the Capitol, from the governor down to the cooks in the cafe, who were here when Pers was formed. It was thirty years ago, a generation ago, and ever since I've been in the legislature, we've been trying to uh, pay for it and figure out how to make it more efficient and and fair to uh, government employees. So. Uh, But it is uh, very, very complex, and there have been some legal rulings on it along the way for the last 20 years, and that's part of the issue. I don't suspect that uh, the Secretary of State will be doing anything involving PERS. Uh, At least I don't intend to do anything involving PERS in the next four years.
0: You helped create Oregon Promise, which provides free tuition to Oregon high school students to all of the state's community colleges.
1: That's the law right there, hanging on the wall.
0: Um, and you were also instrumental in getting the Student Success Act passed last year. That's on other side. Uh, both of these actually do tangible things to help students. Um, but tangible costs, uh, money, and uh, the state is strapped for cash. The governor said so last year. Um, as Secretary of State, is any of your job going to be um, helping the state find more money so that it can continue to do more tangible things like this?
1: Well, <clears throat> the, the first thing, that the first audit that I will be in charge of will be to audit the Student Success Act to make sure that money goes to classrooms and to make sure it's being administered fairly. Um, my goal in passing the Student Success Act was to shrink the size of classrooms, lengthen the school year, and get our K-12 school system back to where it was in the 1990s before all these tax cuts went into effect. And I think the Student Success Act writes that ship. So to the extent that, that audits find uh, issues where maybe we're not all on the same page and corrects that, I think that's a good thing. Um, I'm leaving the chairmanship of the Senate Revenue Committee when my term expires, and that's the policy place where taxes are decided to cut taxes, raise taxes, whatever, to pay for things like housing, schools, and all of that. Uh, The relevant tasks for the Secretary of State don't include that, but the relevant tasks for the Secretary of State are very important, elections, redistricting, audits, and I'm ready for those.
0: Um, Truckers and loggers who oppose cap-and-trade flooded Salem last week. Both, um, Both sides are appealing to legislators to pass or fail a bill. And uh, the current Secretary of State, Ms. Clarno, has turned down ballot measures from both sides, but that isn't stopping her from being sued. Depending on the outcome, um, that's what you'll be inheriting if you win. Um, And my first question is, are you ready for it? And is it your job or not to convince the public that your office is analyzing the issues fairly? Of course I'm ready. Uh, where I think the Secretary of State misstepped
1: is when the ballot measures were submitted, she did not involve the Attorney General in the review process, and therefore you don't have any documentation or assistance in, in preparing these ballot measures for uh, the ballot, and that's what I'll always do, it's a standard process to do that, um, regardless of where they come from. They come from a group that I uh, like, or if it's an idea that I don't like, um, there's a process in which you review those and they qualify, and it doesn't matter if I like the ballot or not, if it qualifies and meets the criteria in the law, then it makes the ballot, or it doesn't, based on what the Attorney General and the Secretary of State conclude, and it's documented and transparent so that everybody can see how you got to that decision.
0: If you were elected Secretary of State, is there anything you leave the legislature wishing you had been able to accomplish?
1: One of the reasons I'm leaving the legislature is I think the Student Success Act, which passed last year. Uh, is a capstone to my career in the legislature. sector. It's kind of the quest that I started with because of the tax cuts in the 1990s. And uh, I always wanted to write the ship for Oregon Education. And I think that bill does that. And so it felt like a,
0: a natural place to end. Uh, I was looking at your uh, website, and you have a picture-perfect family complete with a golden retriever. <laughs> uh, and I'm guessing campaigning have made you and your family pretty battle-hardened. But, um, you know, for all the young incumbents, challengers for the first time in state office, what advice would you give them about how this process can affect them and their families?
1: I would encourage anyone who's thinking about public service to pursue it because it can be uh, hard but gratifying, and I am really blessed. I do have a family that's very supportive of what I do, and um, uh, it has just so far worked for me. And I don't know if I've been the best legislator or the best politician or the best public servant. There are obviously better people out there, more talented, smarter. Um, But it has just worked for me. And uh, I'm lucky to have a family that's been very supportive and we, we have fun with it.
0: This is my last question. Why should Oregonians vote for you?
1: Because I have the experience of getting big things done. And I'll continue to get big things done. And I've always said, if the best way to gauge someone's performance in the future is to look at their performance in the past. I have Full Day Kindergarten, the Oregon Promise, a free community college, and with 2019 Student Success Act, which is a historic bill, a once-in-a-generation kind of a bill, and uh, those passed. Those made it into law. Those weren't just ideas or talking points. Those are now Oregon laws. And I know how to do that. I know how to work with others to get things done and whether that's others being Republicans or Democrats or business and labor, I have respect for people, and I work with them, and I know how to get things through this process.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much. Thank you. Senator Mark Haas is running for Oregon Secretary of State. I'm Don Merrill. Thanks for listening.